0: From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy
1: on SENZ.
0: Beauty that surrounds you. Who a little girl a long white gown. Oh Blurter, dance all around the world. We're gonna go around the world but not far, we're gonna cross to Australia. And talk to the great man that had uh, games for the Knights, the Mariners, the Storm, the Eagles, the Sharks, the Bulldogs, Australia, New South Wales, Country, Ministers. 11. How did he have time to live in between all of those games? Uh, Close to 400 of them. Brett Kamali joins us. G'day, Brett.
1: Good morning, and that's probably about time for the year to finish now, after all those clubs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you get to know a lot of different environments, and I think that's a good thing. I like players that move around, actually, and experience a lot of different things. Um, just before we talk about the NRL this weekend, actually, um, did you enjoy that, or did, did you feel like you wanted to be a one-club person, or did you embrace all those changes?
1: No, I've well, basically been a, a gentleman that grew up in the Newcastle area, i um, with the Newcastle Knights coming to the competition when I was 12 years of age, and, and that sort of created the dream for me to try and play rugby league and then um, just as I come through my junior football, I played lower grades in the Newcastle Knights and, and got to that stage of wanting to play first grade a bloke called Andrew Johns that <laughs> was a pretty good halfback so, uh, so that, that allowed me to go to the Hunter Mariners for that opportunity and then obviously relocating to Melbourne uh, was outstanding and that was the best thing that, that did for my career and uh, had great success down there and become sort of that probably premium player with the Origin and the, grand, and the Grand Final and the World Cups and all that, so that was pretty prestige, and I probably thought, because I'd been, to, the Knights was a very successful club, Hunter Mariners was successful, and then Melbourne was successful, I think my thought was that every club was pretty similar, and if you went somewhere, you'd be able to make success, so I uh, so was returned home to have a family um, to the Northern Eagles, which didn't last very long, and then Chrissy Anderson became the, the coach of the Cronulla Sharks, so. Uh, I went back and reunited with Chris from the Melbourne Storm days at, at the Sharks, and then stayed there for seven years. And um, unfortunately, was told to move on and um, yeah, finished my time at Canterbury. So, as you said, different coaches, different clubs, different opportunities. You learn so much. So I feel uh, feel privileged and blessed to have been able to have a career I'm still I'm still now working football. So I'm at the West Tigers now in the pathways role, and then I'll coach our W side. So um, a lot of education, a lot of great mates. Um, and you know some, some, some amazing times
0: Is it a tricky question when someone says to you that might not know who you are and they say oh you know Naughty, he played in row," and they say oh, who would you play for how do you answer that
1: <laughs> Yeah that's right Yeah, you obviously got to tell them the whole story and the clubs you went for you know obviously two of the clubs I did play for uh, are no longer around um, obviously part of mergers and foldings and bits and pieces so that's disappointing but you know, I think, you know, i, my, I say that you know, Melbourne was the best club I played for and had my greatest success. Cronulla, I call Cronulla home now. I live out in the community. Um, three of my four girls have been born out in the trire. So we pretty much entrenched ourselves in that area, and that was where I played my longest amount of football for. So I, I think people, um, you know, the good is they still ask questions. and They still want to talk to you about football and still recognise you. That means you're still involved, which is, which is blessed, as you said. Um, and, and uh, you know, I still myself sometimes I get to go to work and, and watch football and, and talk about football continuously whether it's you know we called the game last night for SEN which was a great game and um, you know so hopefully what we'll coming out of football and being you know successful in branding uh, allows you to continue the working in the game and, and, and on the game effectively as well.
0: Just on last night's game, uh, Storm getting the win by eight points over the Broncos. As you say, it took two hours to play, so many stoppages. Uh, Both Bellamy and Kevi Walters seem mystified with the hip drop binning and now the judiciary's overturned that and said no fuss, no foul, but he got 10 minutes, but Rhys Walsh has been charged with a shoulder charge that wasn't done on the field. Reputationally, is the NRL struggling a little bit with the officialdom in the bunkers and the judiciary, do you feel?
1: Oh, I thought the the game went for so long last night. As you said, so many stoppages. Um, you know, Bunker's got to look at things. We had players in the bin. Uh, I think the two players that went to the bin uh, were both poor decisions. Um, I thought it cost the Broncos an opportunity to win. They, a try was scored every time there was a player in the bin. Um, you know, I, I thought, um, you know, I thought Corrigan's lost his control of the tackle, but then obviously when you don't have control of your legs and you're hanging onto someone's body around the waist, the it's you're going to fall on the back of their legs. So, as you said, for the game not to have charged it today, um, it just shows that there's a mis-, mis or mixed understanding about what is a hip drop, um, you know. And I, I thought the Broncos were outstanding. Uh, they lost Adam Reynolds, I think, about 10 to 15 minutes in the match with HIA, and then a loss of feelings in his fingers. So for them to have still been in the competition and potentially a chance to win it for most of the game will be. Pleasing for their character, um, but also I thought that both sides came up with some really dumb decisions last night on discipline, um, penalties, raking in the ball, uh, taking the player off the ball. Um, yeah, so educational for both. And the Melbourne Storm got the victory, and I think if, it'd be interesting how the game would have panned out um, if they had to have 30 on the field for the full 80 minutes. Mm,
0: yeah, um, and like Warriors. Fans. I also
1: don't agree. I don't. I don't agree with the Rees false charge either. I, I think that's. I think that's a wrong charge. I think he'll get off. Do you? Yeah.
0: Do you think they'll fight it? Uh, given that it's only going to be a fifteen hundred dollar fine with a guilty plea, play again next week. Is it worth challenging?
1: Oh, I, I think the problem is if you if you just plead guilty to it and it happens again, you've got you got loading, so you've got more uh, yeah. So if if you can get off it and believe you can get off it, then I would I'd recommend you go and fight it um, and not have a not have something in the name knowing that if it does happen again, that, that's your first offence.
0: Yeah. All right, let's have a look forward to tonight. Most of New Zealand will be watching this, or a lot of them will. The Bulldogs, Warriors. The Warriors, not on a great run of form in the win column, but they've had some, I think, honest performances, haven't helped themselves with some of the decisions, etc. Bulldogs have announced that Josh Adokar's not quite ready, so he steps down. There's a new cap coming in for their side. We are very excited by tonight's match for the Warriors. What do you make of this clash?
1: Yeah, I can't wait for it. But as you said, I'll be there calling it as well. So off to Acor Stadium this afternoon to call the match. And I think um, I think the Warriors are outstanding this year. There's been some consistency in them, or probably more consistency than, than the last number of years. As you said, they haven't had a lot of wins of late, but they've had some great performances. And uh, I think Sean Johnson is in probably career-best form. Um, he's certainly well-connected to what the coaching staff are saying in the group. Uh told Harris, when he was missing for a few weeks, I think that was a hard play to get over it, but now back um, I think they can win I, without Ado Carr, um, they obviously not yes. take probably one or two tries off the dogs because Burton's kicking game seems to be able to find A Car extremely well uh, and I, I don't know I just don't think Canterbury really got a hit of footy at the moment they're struggling with their own halves uh, combinations and you know as you said, I, I, I like how the the Warriors are playing. As you said, you know, I remember they played really poor after a, a, a short training week and a the turnaround. They look like they were underdone for that game. And, and then play against the Melbourne Storm on Anzac Day. I thought they had a great performance, but don't win. And then they go home and play another top side as well. So uh, the draw doesn't help them, I think, for a for late. But I think that if you're a Warriors fan, you're seeing consistency, you're seeing improvement. Uh, I, I think Andrew... Webster is doing a wonderful job and the rest of his coaching staff, so I, I think it's a good position that they're in, and I think they will be a side that, you know, has, as well as they've started, should we think you now, they'll get a few wins in a row, the form will come, they obviously get the benefit of origin time, to have minimal players disrupted throughout the State of Origin campaign, uh, which hopefully will help him you know, pinch a few points when that happens.
0: You just mentioned Sean Johnson in career-best form. Um, <clears throat> his price tag slowly dropped over the last five or six years, and my understanding is he came back to the Warriors on half the, half the contract than what he was on when he left. His price has gone up again. How do you see Sean Johnson playing out? Because we're hearing whispers that Wests are sniffing around him. I'd imagine there'd be other clubs sniffing around him. How hard do you go, if you're the Warriors, a club, to keep him?
1: Yeah, well, obviously, when he was over there uh, as a superstar early in his career or you know, golden boot winner, probably wasn't reaching the potential, the consistency that he's showing now. And I know, as you said, if he was on a lot of money then, they probably didn't get the value that, that he was you know, expected to return for him. So now, as I said, I think he's in, in super form. Um, when he left the Warriors, he the first year at Canelo. He won the Player of the Season Award. I think he was motivated. And had something to prove, and then obviously returns home um, after effectively not having a club. Um, I'm sure he'd love to stay in New Zealand. I think he's you now over there; his family would be settled. Um, you know, they're playing games of football out in New Zealand now, so you're not living out of Brisbane
0: anymore. And, and
1: like those players had to go through to keep the game alive for a number of years. So, I think Sean Johnson is a player the Warriors will invest in in the future. Um, it allows Tamari Martin um, to sort of learn the craft of playing a halfback. I don't know if they've got any other young halfbacks coming through, but. Sean Johnson playing tough defensively, kicking the ball great, being good in attacks. Um, you know, and I don't think you'd have to pay over to keep Sean Johnson in New Zealand. I think, you know, and Freeman Halves are very hard to fight, but as you said, as you get older and your age, sometimes your value drops a little bit um, and then branding and what do you want to stand for is that legacy in New Zealand should be something that Sean sort of wants to hold as well. So you'll get good money, um, but probably, you're probably not talking the money that, um, you know, that we'd think about a Nathan Cleary um, and Nico Hines just signing that seven-year or six-year deal for a million and plus a year. I don't think that's short money, but you're still talking about the high hundreds. Not a bad deal.
0: <laughs> Not a bad deal. Might be a one plus one or something like that. Uh, tonight also, after the Warriors games, the Panthers and the Roosters, and I thought at this stage of the season I'd be saying it's second versus fourth or something like that, but it's fourth versus eighth. And I, one of the juniors and I've been racking my brain who it was last night, said, or sometime during the week in one of the NRL shows that we get over here, that the Panthers just have to get into the eight, um, whereas we all think you've got to get in the four, you've got to do this. But the Panthers have the pedigree, um, and they're saying you've got to rest your players because you've got to have them hissing uh, come playoffs time. How important is this match for the Panthers-Roosters?
1: I think it's huge for the Penrith. I I think it's really important. We've seen them have a few losses this year. There's some talk effectively that they're not the same Penrith side they have been over the last few years. No corrupt down, no kick out. Um, you know, Luai's combination with Nathan Cleary's, whether he wins his Origin jersey back or not. So I think there's a lot of things to play for internally there uh, for Penrith. I think, though, they're still one of the premium sides. They're just not the side that's going to beat everyone by, by 10 or 12 points on their best day. So I've got six teams, I think, can win the comp. The competition this year is so open. And as you said, it's a matter of who's fresh at the end of the year, who's got the top roster on the park. Um, and if you can get to that stage... Um, then that gives you a healthy healthy chance of making the finals. No one has won the competition outside of top four yet, uh, but that that could change as we get more depth in this competition and, and the talent pool gets gets spread out as well. So uh, I think the Roosters are underperformed a bit this year as well. I think they're a side that's under enormous pressure. Um, you know, Brendan Smith decision to bring him there, they've never really had a ball-playing dummy half, um, and they brought him there and they're saying that that combination is taking time to settle it in. Um, Joey Manu playing that five eight role. I think you're a better side with Marnu five eight, but um, they just, I don't know, they just don't look to the in sorts and, and, and not as powerful as they were. I thought the Roosters were the team to beat this year in the Premiership, and as you said, they're way down the ladder at the moment. So uh, it'll be a good game, a great clash. I think Penrith winning a close one. Um, you know, they'll have two sides that will be affected by the Origin when it comes up over the next few weeks as well. So um, they won't want to let cheap wins go away if they can certainly take a victory. And the Melbourne Storm a side last night. That was a game for Melbourne to win last night with those players they had on the park and what happened to the Broncos and the sin-bidding so, you Now, the comp's closed, so you've got to take those opportunities when they are granted you to win.
0: Has the worm turned for the Cowboys who found them find themselves way down in fourteenth? Um, probably a nice opponent for them to try and keep building momentum with the Dragons who have really disappointed this year. Noddy, um, did you see enough from the win last week from the Cowboys to suggest they've turned this season around, or do we need another performance like that?
1: Oh, I saw enough from the Cowboys last week to suggest they're back to their best, but I need some consistency as well. It's, it's easy to have an honest session after ruined pork a really poor showing on Magic Round and get up for a week. Uh, it's very hard to keep getting up week in week out without that hunger and motivation, and the embarrassment from the probably from how you played and your coach giving you some honest lessons. Um, so I would like to think they re- they replay that again this week. They play well as if they get a chance to win because they're playing the Dragons. Um, a lot of off-field drama. Still talking about the coach over here, Jack Birds, been a bit emotional in some press conferences about calling fans out about you know leaving us alone and bits and pieces. So. It, it's, they're in a whole world of craziness over here, the, the St George Dragons, and I just don't see them being able to compete against the dra- uh, against the Cowboys. But again, the Cowboys need to show that consistency they did from last week and back it up week in week out because they were a side that made the finals last year. They were a side that people started thinking they can win the comp, uh, and now they haven't been able to reproduce that yet.
0: Sea Eagles have been disappointing for me. Got one of the best players in the game, and Tommy Turbo. Are they using him well enough? Is he carrying injuries? What's going on with Manly?
1: Yeah, I think he's got everything. I think they're not using him enough. I think he's got injuries. Um, and I think it's like the old under-sevens football where you chuck the ball to the biggest kid in the park and say, why well, is try? <laughs> um, they need to help Tom a little bit, um, you know, and, and get some momentum and get some quick play the balls and get some, you know, um, Schuster. Schuster, the first few weeks, when Manly were outstanding early in the competition, Schuster was on that left edge going, you know, barn swimming and creating the sort of attack that South Sydney's left edge used to have and then obviously he's been injured the last few weeks Um, Tom's come back to the park Uh, so Tom effectively is the only attacking player you've got to worry worry about so you know Ola Kawatu signed a new deal this week so that's probably exciting for him so he'll be pushing to say thank you for Manly for that and I think he's a player that actually is on the fringe of playing for New South Wales so if he plays a few big games Brad Pittler will certainly look out for him so Yeah, you're right, Manly have been very, very disappointing uh, in some of their performances. Uh, And you're right, Yeah, you watch Nathan Cleary play, you watch Tom Tavoyevich play, Nico Hines, Reese Walsh is another player that I love watching play. You just have some players at certain clubs that you just, you go to the game knowing you're going to do something and, and Tom normally is that player.
0: You just touched on State of Origin Wednesday, 31st of May, Adelaide Oval. I love Adelaide as a city. I think it's fantastic. Are there more selection dilemmas this year than there has been the last couple?
1: Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think we were talking last night when we were calling the game about obviously the Queensland forward pack, how much strength they're going to have as well. So both Brad Fittler and Billy Slater are going to have some very tough decisions to make. Um, you know, The domination of for the last few years allowed you know five, six or seven of their players to get picked every week because they were, the, they were so far in front that you've got to pick combinations and all that. Uh, nico hines dalian medalist now probably you know premium halfback at the moment um you know, obviously got some injuries what's tom going to play out a car hasn't played he was on the wing um you know uh, latrell mitchell has to come back into the new south wales side as well um so you know, where's latrell going to play and you'd think potentially you'll play that left center position um, yeah i think there's a lot of doubt and series and combinations um you know, I think what will happen is we'll wait. Those players or coaches will have a team hopeful wish list, and then there'll be some injuries, which of course um, combinations and changes, and, and how you're going to go. So you're right. Adelaide Oval game one. I think we were there two years ago, and the blue, blue and un- unlosable scenario. we getting beat to Queensland in game one down there. Um, I just don't know how they won that game, and then they end up winning it. Mm game three in in Brisbane that year so game one is always the deciding match for origin so we you know being here in New South Wales fan and ex-player let's hope we have got more players healthy when it gets to that time and let's hope we win Origin 1 but they're they're showpiece events they're they're the three best games of the year and you can't wait to watch them
0: One last thing Brett Camorley I just wanted to get your opinion on over here in New Zealand in, in rugby uh, the New Zealand Rugby Union enforce our super rugby players to have uh, managed minutes because it's World Cup year and for the internationals. When you were at your height, you were playing NRL, State of Origin, Kangaroos, didn't take a week off unless you were injured or suspended. How, at the end of one of your biggest seasons, how wrecked were you at the end of the season?
1: No, actually, most of the time I felt like you were pretty good. I think the more you played, the more your body gets used to the conditioning of the game. Um, I think the reason I was lucky enough to play um, over 300 matches, as you said, is because I think I played every week. Um, I think you can rest play Monday to Friday, but I think every player wants to be able to play the game of football on the weekend. Um, keep their position, play for their team, um, stay in sync of the game. The changes so quickly the game of the league and rugby, I would imagine. But if you don't play for a period of time, you lose your conditioning, then you come back and you're not a premium player anymore. So I used to think if I was super fit, um, you know, knew the game plan each week and competitive in my own, my own head, then my job is to play football. I get paid to play football, or I get paid to play rugby, and then I should go out and do it every time that opportunity presents itself. And then my personal responsibility is my own recovery, my own preparation to make sure that I'm ready to perform at the highest standard I can week. Uh, and I felt like at the end of my career I was able to hold my hand or head pretty high that I could walk off each game and know I had a dig uh, and then I had to fix football errors throughout the game or learn but I, as long as I had an effort I was felt like I finished proud of something something like that in my career
0: Love it Brett Kamali. really appreciate chatting to you today buddy uh, enjoy the rest yeah. of the weekend Cool, thanks guys Bye. Cheers mate Brett Kamali there Shark, Storm, Knights, Kangaroos State of Origin Really interested in what he said there about enforced stress that we have on our players there. He thrived. I'm paid to play rugby league. I turn out for my club, turn out for my state and turn out for my nation. Love it. Brett Camley, right there. We'll come back.